Hi, I'm Jacob. And I'm Jessica. Welcome to Clue Done It, the podcast where we make wild guesses about fake TV crimes. Without any clues, context, or apparently accuracy. All right, let's find out. Who was right. Who was wrong. And who is dead. We are super excited to talk to Mark Bell and Sarah Smith-Robbins today, co-hosts of the wildly popular podcast Mystery Maniacs, a comedy recap podcast dedicated to mystery television, formerly known as the Midsummer Maniacs podcast. But in addition to co-hosting the podcast, Mark is a web developer at Indiana University and also runs a comic book company. Sarah is a senior director of emerging technologies at the Kelly School of Business at Indiana State University with a PhD in rhetoric and composition and a master of arts in digital storytelling from Ball State, plus a master of arts in literature from Indiana University and a BA from Franklin College. She's clearly smarter than your average bear. And because they don't have enough to do, apparently, they also go all out for Halloween. So Mark and Sarah, welcome to the pod. <laughs> Thanks for oh, having God. us. Who are those people who do all that? I don't that know. Was, that is that was one of my first questions. Like, how do you, how do you manage to cram all this in with a weekly podcast and everything else? Our house is really dirty. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Something has to give. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm all for that. Uh, when we when we first when we first owned a house. That was one of Jessica's first conditions. She was like, look, we're going to, if we own a house, I'm not going to have to clean it. That's just, we will bring somebody in because that is just not going to happen. It's like, yeah, that's fair. You, that you just have sense. to prioritize, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it's simply a matter of prioritizing and figuring out what is important and what isn't important. And, you know, we, we do do a weekly hour long podcast, but we, we have had moments like, 10 minutes before we recorded going it's not going to happen this week and that's okay and we're just going to move through postponing and you know our audience has been so great at being there through everything like we had a we had a pet get sick and we had to deal with that and everybody was just super good about it and i think that's starting nice. before covid helped too yes so that when covid hit everybody's life was upside down, you know? Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. if we missed a week, people were <laughs> very cool with that. <laughs> we, we recorded like the week before the lockdown started. And then we recorded like two days after the lockdowns recorded. And those are very different episodes. We're like, <laughs> uh, what happened? Yeah, We don't know what's going on. Some stuff has gone down since we were last <laughs> year. Oh, oh but at the end of that episode, I'm like, but it'll all blow over in like three weeks. <laughs> yeah, this is this is just going to be three weeks. Oh, simpler times. Mm -hmm. So you, you mentioned that you started before the before COVID, before the lockdown. How did you start? What is the origin story of your podcast? So really, the origin story comes in two parts for us. One, I turned fifty and listed a whole bunch of stuff that I wanted to do, and realized I had to prioritize that list because I was not going to get everything done. Back to priorities. And Along with that, I went on a trip with my daughter to Canada, and that's 26 hours of driving. So I had a lot of time to think about things. And I was like, we should be doing a podcast. Like, part of my education process as a media educator has always been you should be doing the things that you're teaching because it gives you credibility. And also, you learn those things that you only learn by doing. Mm -hmm. So, 
I was like, we should have a podcast and we should do Midsummer because we talk about it all the time. And there's a built-in audience. And we also don't have to worry about content because there, there there's is 20-some seasons. We'll never <laughs> run out. There's 136 yes. <laughs> episodes. We're never going to get to the end anyway. <laughs> Well, we did. <laughs> oh, and, and it helped that Mark was, you know, he's a musician. And so he already had a lot of audio equipment and mm -hmm. knew how to do that stuff. And, you know, we've both done a ton of public speaking and all that. So we weren't nervous about any of that. Right. And yeah. And we thought, hey, it's an excuse for us to sit down once a week and talk to each other and laugh together. And if other people want to hear it, great. You know, now our crazy fallacy when we started was, We'll be two weeks ahead of time. So we'll be <laughs> two weeks ahead and then release an episode so that we'll always be two weeks ahead. Right. So if something happens, that that's the case. Now we record on Saturday and release on Monday. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah, we yeah, we're like that too we're, sometimes. We, <laughs> like, we like we said, we started out trying to do it every week and they're like, no, this is clearly untenable. This is not gonna happen. So the crazy time was January of this year. We did nine episodes in six weeks. That's wow. a lot. Because there, because there were new episodes of Midsummer that we wanted to do the mini episodes for. So people could listen to that before they watched it. So we were recording the regular episodes on the season that we were on, plus mini episodes for the new episodes. Plus we did a Christmas episode <laughs> and a Christmas song, which we do every year. Oh, the year. songs. Oh my oh gosh, my. I no, I wasn't I somehow I missed that. Tell us about the Christmas song. What is this? Oh, maybe it's a good thing you've missed it. Um because <laughs> it's us singing. So three, four years we've done it, three years. Yeah, we've done we it. started with doing we did a text version of the 12 days of midsummer. And then the next year I was like, we should sing this. So we did uh Midsummer Bells, I think was the next one. <laughs> yeah. And then we did another one, and then the this year's we asked our audience to provide lyrics because we were having a tough time coming up with lyrics so we did a mashup of like 16 different they Christmas sent us 140 wow. pages of lyrics oh my god like, like this one these two people sent a booklet like a pdf of these like two ladies, 25 yeah. pages there was Poirot and Marple and Agatha Raisin and Murdoch and Midsummer and I mean you name it. They wrote a song about it, wow, and then we had wow. to go through and decide which of the lyrics we were going to use and create animations for them so we could create a video for it. Wow! Yeah. While I, doing four minis and four brand new Midsummers. Yeah. Over Christmas holidays. I never thought. Oh, and I, our roof collapsed. Oh, that's uh, right. Oh, our ceiling fell in. Ceiling yeah. fell we had a pipe leak burst. for freezing. Oh, the like, pipe. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, we thrive on chaos. <laughs> but I, I, you know, if you'd asked me five years ago, will there ever be videos of you singing on YouTube? I would have said, oh, hell no. No, 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 no. And now there's five, I think. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That is fantastic. And I'm going that to is... go watch them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. And we've uh, had people. So. So we do a themed Halloween display every year, as you mentioned. Yes. And there are people who always ask theme and we try to keep it under wraps as much as possible. We've done that. This is our 11th year doing that. And then as soon as Halloween is over, we get people who are like, what's the Christmas song going to be this year? 
I don't know. What is it? You tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever you write, we'll do. How about that? Exactly. That's what we did last year. Yeah. 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 (laughs) It's only so much. Yeah. Well, going back to Murdoch Mysteries, which has gone on for another 16 seasons and counting at this point, such a beloved show with a huge fandom, which is why it won our March Madness TV Detective Tournament, too, and presumably why your listeners suggested it for you to do next. What about this show makes it so likable, do you think? And what do they get right? We have... So we've... Like you, we've covered a lot of different shows. We've kind of dipped in. Mm-hmm. When we finished Midsummer, we sort of tested the waters as a lot of different shows. And our criteria are that there's it's got to be a little loony. It has to be it has to have some craziness to it, whatever the show is. It can't take itself too serious. It has to resolve the mystery in one episode. Mm-hmm. Right. It can't be too gory or bloody or too realistic. We like zany, basically. (laughs) And for me, Murdoch is a great sort of mix of history and costume and zaniness. And but it's usually a pretty good storyline, too. You if, if you've not seen an episode before, you might be sort of stumped. It doesn't always follow the rules. You know, sometimes Mm -hmm. there there's information that the viewers not given. But it, it's pretty rare that they break those rules blatantly. So I think it's fair. On top of yeah. that, and a thing that we bring to our coverage of Murdoch is I'm Canadian. So yes. there is Canadian things that even as a Canadian person, I've missed that I've gotten on rewatching. References, kind of Canadian in-jokes. Like if you haven't had enough maple syrup, you're probably not going to get that joke. Yeah, you know? like for example. <laughs> For example, the the episode that we you said we were going to talk about the annoying Red Planet episode, the geography is all wrong in that episode, and a Canadian person would know that almost instantly. But I had no idea how wrong okay. it was. <laughs> I do like that. I do like the the Canadian perspective that you bring to it, especially with all of your like. You can get very specific with streets and buildings and all this stuff due to your time in Toronto. Well, that that was where I used to live. Like I yeah. used to live in the neighborhood that that it all takes place in so sometimes he gets too specific (laughs) and those of us who aren't canadian just take a break and go do something different and come back when he's done but yeah at least they don't talk about hockey very often then there is a hockey episode i I do want to that might be a one-man episode i don't know congratulate you on finding the saddest murdoch to cover earlier oh yeah they covered the one where the guy gets hit by the car and is yes oh yeah That's a tough one. That is a tough, <laughs> yeah. very tough episode. <laughs> but it was, but still a little loony, like you said, not gory. Still a little loony, like there's like the I think they're chasing chickens, like through half, like the other detectives are like chasing chickens for half the episode, which of course leads to clues. But you can go back and listen to that. But yes, it still adheres to the rules of a good Murdoch episode. But I want to I want to come back to research a little bit here because. Again, in addition to like, you're not just recording the podcast. You're not just releasing the podcast. The research that you people do on this, like, and it's not just oh, I lived there, so I know this. Like, right. you like, there are some deep dives where you go into these things, like all of it. So, how do you decide what to research? And and again, how do you find the time for all this research? <laughs> 
we're both academics. We're really good at finding stuff really quickly. Yeah, uh, I think that helps. So we will, so for a weekly episode, so if we're doing a Murdoch, for example, Mark will watch it whenever he gets a chance. He does a lot of at home work. And so mm-hmm. if he's not in a meeting or something, he can have it on and watch it. I mean, we've seen him we've all seen a billion times anyway, but all a number of times. Um, yeah. And so he'll tell me, I found this, this, and this that I'm going to look into. And then when I rewatch, I look for things that I want to check into that are not on his list already. But then it's kind of a challenge. We also each try to find something the other one didn't. Mm. So I want to, I want to be like, you will never believe what I learned about this thing. And he's like, oh, no, I didn't know yeah. that. That's what I'm always looking for is that kind of little gem. Because I figure our listeners have probably, they've seen the episode at least once. They're, they're probably like us. They've seen it a couple of times. So what's new? I mean, what can we tell them that's new? Mm-hmm. And and every once in a while that leads us down a road that kind of takes us away from the episode for a little while. You know, it might be <laughs> kind of a, a divergent thing. But we generally, you know, we're like, okay, you know, get, bring it back. It's time. Like, you know, we talked in. about that for too long. Reel it in. Um, but those are some of yeah. also some of the best moments of the podcast. Yeah. Like yeah. when, so there's a, oh, yeah, there's a, a magazine that is shown in a midsummer episode, and it's during a mystery writers convention. And this one mystery writer is she's sexy and she's edgy, and so she appears in this picture in like just a leather jacket. So ultimately, your attention is supposed to be, supposed on, that to photo. be on the photo. But I read the text of the magazine <laughs> and they whole hog took the installation instructions for off Microsoft Office and put them in the text of that, oh of that article. article. And I found the manual <laughs> that they stole it from. Or like the time when... Um... It's again, it's a midsummer, but there are a few characters who are at a restaurant and they get the check and one of the characters puts a credit card down to pay for it. And Mark, of course, he pauses everything. He'll watch things in like 10% speed with his oh, face, wow. this, you know, an inch away from his monitor. And he, so he got the name off of the card and it wasn't oh, the no. character's name. So oh. then he's Googling this name and we found out it was one of the PA on the show so it was her card oh it was actually her card that was in the episode and they're just hoping nobody notices but of course we notice and we're like yeah girl you need to change your card you need to cancel that card because we've got your number you know like we saw it other people have seen it but in in murdoch they there's less of that little like that craziness in the background because it's filmed on a set so you get less kind of random people in the back doing weird things. So that kind of limits it a little bit. But they make so many references to things that are either real history or kind of modified history yeah. that I always want to know more about that thing. Yeah. So I'm hoping that when somebody listens who's familiar with the show that we're covering, that they go away with something that they're like, I learned this crazy fact. Listen to this. Did you know that Elsie the cow had a husband and it's Elmer and he's on the glue tube and they had, they had thumbs. Did you know that? Like, I didn't know. That. Yeah. That we talked about that in one of our Murdoch episodes because the glue factory. Yes. Elsie the cow from the milk has a husband named Elmer and he's the Elmer glue cow. Um, I didn't know that. <laughs> so I, I hope it's stuff like that, that people take away and tell a friend and, you know, are kind of tickled to know. 
I was familiar with Elsie. I was familiar with Elmer. I did not realize they were married. Good. They're married. Yeah, they, yeah. Have <laughs> they have children. No, they and they have calves. They, oh. Yes, they they have calves. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there's a lot of weird images of them together too. Their hooves are. Oh they have gosh. thumbs plus hooves. If you look closely, it's really weird. <laughs> very very strange. It'd well, you know, you're, you're gonna need that to like fast. squeeze the glue out, I suppose. So, exactly. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And let's not let's not think about what horse friends of theirs are in that glue. Let's just not exactly. talk about that. Yes. No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. That's not something we talk about, right? <laughs> so then, then we, when Sarah watches the episode, then we have kind of a five or ten minute meeting before the episode where we're like, okay, I'm going to talk about this, this, and this, and we're you're going to talk about this, this, and this, and then we kind of ease it into the episode at the appropriate points. Like you, you know, we mm-hmm. we talk to each other constantly all the time. We're married, and so I think it it kind of helps. We don't have to do a lot of pre planning on how we're going to cover something. Yeah, because we, we know got, we know how we talk. We got exceptionally lucky. You listen back to the first couple of episodes, and all the pieces are there, and we didn't realize that they were, but they like there are very few things that we introduced that we haven't stuck with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Like the corpse and the gorometer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The gorometer has come and gone. Some people oh. had had a negative response to the gorometer. Oh. They didn't like oh. it. Yeah. Oh. They liked the concept, but they didn't they didn't need it in the show. So we kept it on t-shirts and aprons and stuff. There's a guy who has a gorometer barbecue apron. Yep. He sent us he ordered <laughs> and one then, and sent us a picture of it. <laughs> and then we got to talk about corpse acting with the net badland, which was just fantastic. So because yeah, she, she was able un- to tell us about that. <laughs> I'm unfamiliar with Annette. Tell us who that is. And then wh- what did you find out about Corpse Have acting? you seen Ted Lasso? Yes. Oh, yes. Yes, so yes, yes. The, okay. The, yeah, May, the bartender. The bartender. Oh, yes. Current coroner on, on Midsummer. Midsummer. Oh, so we've had actual right. actors from the show yes. on. Yeah. On, yes. Yeah. We were super excited. And she contacted us, which was absolutely fantastic. And we had such a lovely time talking to her because we did get to share those moments of corpse acting and and where she has to deal with it all the time yeah Yeah. where you know as actors on set they have to be aware that there's another actor who is absolutely vulnerable right they're laying Mm -hmm. on the ground they might be Mm -hmm. undressed or half dressed they have to be absolutely still they can't react to anything and so you have to be really aware of them as people and what they're experiencing and be respectful of that and make sure mm-hmm. they know when a scene is cut that they can relax and they can mm-hmm. breathe and they might not hear that, you know, and and know that. And she'll pat them on the hand a little bit and say, OK, the scene's over. It's all right now, you know, and <laughs> we're always amazed by those people. Like It's, it's got to be one of the toughest skills in acting is to be dead. You know, it yes. looks easy, but it yeah. can't be easy. Right, right. I, I, we have look. I'm going to jump a little off script here for a second. I'm going to change things around because that's one of the things we wanted to talk about, which was like, yeah, we noticed the corpses and we talked about the corpses a little bit, but you guys have taken it to another level with appreciating the corpse acting on this, which I dig. So can can you, th- what have been some of your favorite corpses throughout all of this? Well, it really all started <laughs> from the very beginning because we knew we would eventually get to this corpse was the amazing corpse actor in an episode of Midsummer called Electric Vendetta. He is 100% naked. The face the, down. Face down and it 
goes in a crop circle his in the autopsy it goes along his body to his face which is really contorted this individual does such a good job his everything is out on display no credit anywhere no wow and his murder isn't solved yeah in the episode it's like this i don't know if it got cut out in the editing floor or what but it's like a mistake in midsummer it's the only murder that's not solved so he doesn't get in he doesn't get any credit as an actor and his murder doesn't get solved as a character and so he to me is like the epitome of corpse acting because he also had to be naked face down in a crop circle so he was on stubble Naked. Uh, so yeah. we knew we were going to get there. Yeah. So we had a standard to evaluate against. And we were like, <laughs> why don't we evaluate everybody? Yeah. Them? Yeah. And so. Because when you see a bad corpse actor, it really sticks out. Like if you can see them breathing or their eyes twitch, it's it it ruins it so much. Yeah. That, yeah, you know, if if a bad corpse actor can do that much damage, then a good corpse actor can do that much benefit to an episode. So I would say he's he's like the top I, I, and we still don't know his name and we keep wow. asking people to tell us who he is and we still don't know because I'd love to be able to give him credit. But I would say my second is in the first season of Murdoch and it's a corpse that is in a trunk. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if that guy's a gymnast or a contortionist or what, but he's absolutely naked, folded up in a trunk like a, a packing trunk and he's in there for a while. Yeah, yeah. Like we, there are we, several scenes with him in it. Really, there's a lot of naked ones because the the guy yes. in the relish factory in Midsummer's another. Oh guy. yeah, because he goes through a sterilizer machine. Yep. So he's oh. like steamed, burnt, blistered, and naked. And we so he has makeup on, so he can't move. He has makeup on. You can just see his patch, his modesty patch. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's we, like a little triangle that goes yeah. over the important part, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Like, wow, that's that's brave acting. Yeah, yes. Yes. that's some brave acting. Yeah, wow. Well, since you've watched so much of the show, Murdoch, so much of Murdoch. Murdoch. Yeah, can you share what is the deal with the ferrets? I don't know. And, <laughs> and, and of course, you mentioned you guys mentioned it. I was like, there are a lot of ferrets. <laughs> ferrets are not a thing in Canada that I know of. Are you sure? Is it just not that you can't, you just can't tell us because we're Americans? <laughs> right. <laughs> Will you lose your Canadian membership card or something? No. Okay. But but there are, there there's at least four or five ferret references. We're going to try to get some people from the show now that we're covering the second season. And we will definitely be asking them that. It could be something totally mundane. It could be that a friend of the show is a ferret tamer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so it's an easy animal for them to get. It could be that the standards for them as a, an animal on set are easier to deal with. It's so fantastically weird when Johnny Harris in that season. <laughs> he plays George Crabtree. Right. That mm-hmm. In the first season goes, well, I couldn't get the bloodhounds, but I got a ferret. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> And they have if, like ferret cams. If you've watched more Murdoch, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. But, <laughs> but if that's your first experience with Murdoch, you're like, what the heck is going <laughs> on? Yeah, and there, yeah. there are crazy rules about animals on set. Even when uh, there was a Midsummer where an actor who's dead, well, you want to talk about corpse acting. This guy had a mouthful of maggots. 
Oh yeah. my. Uh, and they were moving and they weren't CGI. They were real. Um, oh. And they actually had a maggot handler yep. on set <laughs> to make sure that they were treated well. Wow. Maggots. Yeah. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. Yep. In this you guy's know. mouth. In, <laughs> in his mouth. Yeah. They yeah. kind of go in. They got a kind coming shot. out. And that that <laughs> shot. Don't bite we, down. They, we watched a lot of that shot. <laughs> <laughs> and like he has, he doesn't have an appliance in his mouth or anything. He wow. has maggots in it. <laughs> Maybe wow. someday there'll be a ferret in somebody's mouth. Maybe. <laughs> oh. You never know. <laughs> He's been dead so long. The ferrets have moved. <laughs> yes. We've we've moved on from the different bugs, and now it's just ferrets. Once ferrets just have made a home, and that's that's what that's three everywhere. weeks. That's four weeks dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I was like, there's there's got to be something. Yeah, maybe Canadian about it, or like I I was imagining the writers' room wall with like all the research, and then a whole thing about a ferret story. You know, ferret storylines that they can you know ferret ideas. In that sad episode that we watched, um, there was I think the the bar was named after a ferret, right? Wasn't it like yeah, a I think that's ferret what it was. or something? It maybe yeah. like, like an inside joke with the writers. You never know. <laughs> it could be in in Midsummer. We have a thing called aptly named pub because they often mm. name the pub it's almost like a wink nod yeah joke, related to the episode yeah. but well it's like yeah. sister boniface like lean into it with the whole great slaughter yeah, <laughs> yeah that's great <laughs> yep if you want to die move to great, great slaughter, slaughter. Yes. <laughs> don't be surprised so yeah. so our fun sister boniface story is that in Father Brown in the very first episode in the background is a nun with glasses on that looks like Sister Boniface. Mm -hmm. So we in the She's a woman in a nun's habit with glasses. So she must be Sister Boniface. Can you tell where I stand on this? <laughs> so we had a fun little back and forth about it. And then Jude Tyndall, who is the showrunner for right. Sister Boniface, contacted us and said, No, it's not Sister Boniface. You know, she settled the argument for us. She settled the <laughs> argument for us because they had heard about it on the set. And I oh was my like, gosh. and all of our listeners sided with him. All of them. It was me against the world. And I was proven right. I rode that high for days. And then I had to make a t shirt about it. This is Boniface conspiracy. <laughs> was she in that tea shop or not? So so that that's one of the stunning as a podcaster, that is we couldn't have had a concept of that. Oh yeah, that, that the people happened. we were talking about might listen. Yeah. That yeah. makes you nervous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, absolutely. I, I mean, I think it's like for me at least, it's like the pinnacle, but then also like, oh my God. Oh, no. listening <laughs> yeah when we heard from jude and knew that she was the writer of sister boniface like yeah. it was her idea you know yeah. uh, that show yeah, is her, her baby i was like okay i gotta go listen to that episode we, where we watched sister boniface to make sure i didn't say anything that was like what were the writers thinking are they dumb or what you know i was <laughs> like oh i hope i didn't I, apparently we didn't say anything that offended her because she was willing to talk to us but wow i was well, we nervous talked, all of a sudden <laughs> we talked to uh lisa what's her last name we talked to another midsummer writer yeah mm -hmm. and she was like oh i listened to your episode about my episodes i was like oh. uh oh <laughs> <laughs> because we we nitpick out of yeah. love 
out of yes, love. We absolutely. love all of these shows, but we nitpick and are like, we watch them like maniacs. That's yeah. the whole idea. And, yeah. And so she was, she was super nice though. Yeah. She was like, well, she wrote an episode of Midsummer where a woman gets killed with a wheel of cheese. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. It's and it's a notorious episode. And yes, she it wrote is. it. And we were like, okay, so what what was with the cheese? Was that your idea? Or did they tell you you had to write an episode with a wheel of cheese? Or and she said, Well, it was kind of, yeah, because so many of the UK shows get some of their funding from local like visitors groups, oh. right? So so like Sister Boniface, a lot of their funding comes from the region where they film because they're they're actually doing like tourism yeah. for that region. And so they try to emphasize products and locations and stuff that are well known in that area. And for that midsummer, that was the, they were filming in an area where they were well known for their cheese. And so they said, you know, if you can work in some cheese that would be great and she's like oh i'll work it in <laughs> you know, she's a lovely, i'll kill somebody with it a lovely lady her name is lisa holdsworth yeah I've remembered it. yeah she's written several midsummers and, yeah and a bunch of called the midwife that's what she writes mostly yeah oh, okay oh. yeah yeah but but like you guys i would love to be in the writer's room for murdoch and ask yeah. them so what were you thinking here <laughs> what was that i <laughs> Did you think nobody would notice that idea or did you just have to plug a hole and you just went with what you came up with or what's going on there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they, it's, it's, you know, filmed, written, everything in Canada. And then you're, you're mentioning how all the streets are all wrong. The geography is all wrong. Like how, how could you possibly like, you know, if you were, if you were a New Yorker and you were writing in New York like, how could you even, like, hold you that You wouldn't have an avenue cross another to... avenue. Like, how do you get past yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. I wonder well, how they even... They they take shortcuts, right? And I think they rely on the fact that Toronto has changed a lot, right, mm -hmm. since 1895. Mm -hmm. and so, But when you hear of, like, Queen Street and Bloor Street, those streets still exist in Toronto. So... There is some, there's a lot of accuracy, but like the distance between Toronto and some of these, what are now suburbs of Toronto, but they treat them like yeah. other villages, yeah. like in the annoying red planet, they take a train out to this place that is now just a suburb of Toronto, yeah. really. But what they call it is a location that is quite a distance away. I don't know why they changed the names. You like know, that. so the creation of any of these things is a collective endeavor and that collective endeavor is is led by people with different agendas and priorities and yeah. so you're going to get systems where it's like i know it's not right but it sounds better and it looks better on the sign mm -hmm. maybe or yeah you know anything or we've already filmed that scene so don't tell me that we're not going to go back and refilm that yeah. so that's yeah. what it's called. right <laughs> <laughs> work, yeah. work. There was um. We talked to Sara Saidi for iZombie, and she was telling us about Rob Thomas, who like Veronica Mars, iZombie, and a bunch of other like detective things. And he's like, "There's going to be one person on the internet who gets upset with this. We can't let that person stop us." <laughs> like no. it was this sad day when I realized, oh, I am that person on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you say that, but when when we started, um. Midsummer Maniacs. We started out as, let's try this out. This is the way we talk to each other. 
maybe we'll find a couple people who talk like this to each other. Yeah, who notice the kind of things we notice because they love the show. And then we got this outpouring of community that went beyond we love the show too, to, you know, I'm a cancer survivor and while getting treatment, I spent hours in the car listening to you guys and things oh. like that. And so those sorts of stories and that sort of community means that those people don't feel alone yeah, yeah. or yeah. you know i i watch whatever show with one of my loved ones and we try to catch the kind of things that you're going to catch and then we listen to the episode to see if we caught all the things that you caught so so it kind of brings people together or th we have some listeners who love to notice things that we missed oh <laughs> and we're like wow you go girl like how did i never would have seen that thing. oh my gosh like how close were you watching i thought yes. i watched closely <laughs> you know and with with murdoch it is so fun because we're hearing more now from our canadian listeners that they know stuff that i don't know maybe maybe mark doesn't know or doesn't think of but they really feel ownership of that show because it's filmed mm. in their country and it's written yeah. you know and it is a Canadian show and it it's kind of the pride of ownership of Murdoch, I think is really fun. And we never saw that with Midsummer. British people didn't stand up and say, you know, this, this is our show or Poirot is our, yeah. you know, thing. But Canadians really take ownership over. And it's really fun to to hear them point out those things like you're pointing out, like with geography and stuff like that. They get to be right about it. And that's great yeah They're, they were all wrong about sister boniface being in the coffee shop but, you know, <laughs> we won't hold that again that's them, a I different guess. continent it's okay they can be wrong exactly about they can, they can be. but okay so let's let's bring it down back down to murdoch here so we are we are going to be guessing on the annoying red planet so without like spoilers without telling us like who actually did it like is there are there you've watched all the episodes you know all the episodes what kind of clues can we get just from like the television experience itself? Like, is there any kind of like, oh, they always kind of do this kind of thing when they introduce the Jacob is trying to win. I'm, I am. I'm trying. I'm trying to find <laughs> out how to guess. like nail it down. <laughs> so let's e let's each give one clue. Can I give mine first? Yes. Okay. Um, Crabtree is not as crazy as he seems. No. Okay. So he'll come out with, and this is consistent in all all of Murdoch. He comes out with really crazy, off-the-wall, sci-fi kind of paranormal explanations. And he's not completely wrong. Okay. Mm. So don't dismiss him. Pay attention. Don't so him. so Pay you haven't watched the episode yet? No, no. Okay. We're, we are going okay. to cut clue, from this and go into it. Yeah. Okay. My clue is strangely in this instance, Murdoch's diorama is incorrect. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. All Thank right. You. Thank you. You know how Thank he you. does? He builds stuff yes. to help him figure things out. Because right. it just yeah. comes Time. to him. Yeah. It's wrong. There, right. there is a great, <laughs> fantastic episode later on, which you, you can talk about that one weird. as much as you want. <laughs> it's, weird. It, it's weird that you have watched Murdoch in the way you want because Murdoch really matures second third fourth season if you hop around you and then the miss switch a little to bit, but... cbc really matures it again yeah. and i don't mean mature like 
they get they, more budget. They and, get more budget yeah, and mm-hmm. they really like Johnny Harris is just a fantastic human being who takes the George Crabtree character into places we never would have expected and yet keeps him honest to George. Mm-hmm. You never have a moment where you're like, that's not George. And and you guys mentioned this. He is a fantastic human being who tours all over Canada yeah. to stand up in small towns that would have never seen a television star mm-hmm. ever and helps out people of all races, creeds, and colors and all that fantastic stuff. But in this first season, he's still figuring out George, but he has George in this episode. Yes. This episode, they're like, You're starting we to- don't know if we're coming back. So they take a couple of risks risks definitely <laughs> and it's it's george pedal down yeah yeah, yeah. george <laughs> is like george absolutely is like yeah okay it's we're a, gonna take this to 11 yeah <laughs> yeah excellent and i think that 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 works so well against murdoch so there is a episode later on and we talked about dioramas there is a diorama centered episode mm-hmm. later on that does such a good job of being empathetic of human beings that have different abilities and needs oh the whole orange versus catholic part mm-hmm. of canada mm-hmm. as well as the most amazing diorama ever of a street <laughs> yes <laughs> it is the quintessential crime model and then films it in such a way that, like, there's a point where there's a giant Murdoch inside the model. Yeah, it's really fun. And it's just fantastic. I'll just send you a link to that one so that if you ever come back to Murdoch, that's that's one that you should definitely consider okay. covering. Wow. Because it yeah. keeps you guessing till the very last minute, and you're on the edge of your seat going, okay, how is this possible? I can't. either they're going to be like and he's got a twin or you know it's going to have to be something stupid like that to solve this crime and then when they do you're like oh i'm so stupid how did i miss that and they do a fantastic job of taking a piece of evidence from the model bringing it into real life moving it back to the model bringing it into real Mm -hmm. life it's fine they do such a good job yeah well yeah, so there's there's our hints, really our long-winded fun. hints. Our long, Thank absolutely you. long-winded hints. Those are fantastic hints. Just for our listeners, why don't you tell us the name of that episode? So if they just want to go off and watch this, they can do that. Mark's going to have to look it up, so you may oh, have to edit. We'll, we'll do a little bit of we'll do a little bit of little <laughs> music. <laughs> so so the episode that we were talking about with the dioramas is season four, episode six. It's called Dead End Street. Okay. And it's amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. one of the top 10 Murdoch episodes. And quite the stumper. Excellent. Oh, fantastic. Well, fantastic. Well, but yeah. thank you both for being here. I really appreciate your time. Really appreciate your wisdom and how, like I said, you guys, you crack me up with the whole podcast. I do love listening to it. I love all you find. So thank you so much for coming on ours. I appreciate it. Yes. Do you want to, why don't you tell people the name of the podcast, where they can follow you online, how you want them, how they can find you, all that stuff. The appreciation is mutual, by the way. Absolutely. Oh, thank you. oh. Absolutely. it's so fun to hear people watch something for the first time that we've probably seen a dozen times. Um, we- and to kind of recapture that, <laughs> 
oh yeah, that's when I thought so and so did it too. Wait, wait till they wait till they see that wait part. That's gonna ruin that theory, you know. It's really well, fun. and and married couple making mystery podcasts. The space is open. Like there's a lot of room. <laughs> there's just a lot of room for all of us. Yes, and and that you know there's there's been different podcasts started since we've started, and we welcome all those people because it it I think we live in a golden area era of production where we can be producing this stuff and getting content all over the world. Live episodes we've done on YouTube where this woman wakes up at four in the morning to watch wow. in Australia. In Australia. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely stunning. So we are mystery maniacs. You can find us on all the social media platforms and YouTube. Just search for Mystery Maniacs or Midsummer Maniacs. We're doing season two of Murdoch. Murdoch starting the 26th of June. And then we're not sure after that what we're going to be doing, but we will have new Midsummers near the end of the year too as well. So, mm-hmm. so if you like Midsummer Murders, we, we've covered every episode. 136 so you can, episodes. You can go back and listen to them one at a time. Some people listen to us while they're falling asleep, which is kind of a compliment. Have you, not, have you got that comment yet? That's, we haven't gotten it yet. No. We haven't. Yeah, but I've heard it on other podcasts. People say, the, the podcasters say, you listen to us while you fall asleep. Very interesting. Enjoy. Uh-huh. Which Enjoy. is weird because we used to watch Midsummer as we fell asleep. asleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's where you can find us. And yeah, we hope that folks will check it out. Excellent. Again, thank Excellent. you so much. Oh, and have a great. Oh, what? Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, can we take a picture? I guess oh, we can do that oh, after the absolutely. thank yous. <laughs> All right, thank everybody. You again. Thank you. Every... Thank you again. Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this interview with Mark and Sarah as much as we did. Go check out their podcast, Mystery Maniacs. It's a hoot. Just a heads up, we are about to head into our summer break. We're going to take a few weeks off to rest up and maybe let the coroner's office catch up with all of our dead bodies and wrong guesses we've been slinging their way. But never fear, we'll be back in mid-August with more mysteries and wild guesses. Meanwhile, join us over on Instagram at Podcast, where we'll be sharing fun stuff all summer long and working on a mystery puzzle. Luckily, we are allowed to use the picture on the box to figure out where the pieces go. See you soon.